how are you now? Oh, how are you? Right now. We're on a roll, it feels like, lately with games in general. Um, you know, things picking up a little bit for the Montreal Canadiens. They started with a lot of weird breaks early on in the season, and uh, now it feels like they just have no nights off. Uh, but here we are. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and uh, we have uh, quite a bit for me to get to in the recap of this Montreal Canadiens versus Columbus Blue Jackets game at the Bell Center on a nice Thursday night. But first, the last of the major pro sports leagues kick off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And speaking of starts, it just so happens that the first period of the game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Columbus Blue Jackets was uh, somewhat problematic for me. We're going to get to it here. It was a great start, I felt, for the Habs. Uh, top line was sent into their zone off the opening faceoff, and then they go down the ice and they actually get a scoring chance almost right away. And I'm feeling like, you know, this is going to be a much more watchable game than the last one. Looking all right, but of course, just three minutes in, not even three minutes in, rush chance for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Johnny Gaudreau uh, plays pitch and catch, and then he goes across with the puck to the back door for Jack Roslevic. Yeah, he gets an easy one on that one. It's one nothing, And then immediately after that, we get some bullshit, some baby back bullshit. Dmitry Voronkov playing in his first NHL game, apparently has decided he wants to be the dirtiest player in the league. He hits Arbor Jacki from behind. Arbor Jacki fights him over it. And somehow, we, after all of that, go to five-on-five hockey because the refs gave, they did correctly call Dmitry Voronkov for the board, but they also gave Arbor Jacki two minutes for roughing in addition to the five minutes for fighting. So they basically charged him with an instigator. Uh, I don't understand how you can possibly do that. He got hit directly in the numbers. That's the instigator. What instigated the fight was not Jack Eye just deciding that there was going to be a fight. What instigated it was the fact that he got hit in the numbers. But I digress. Keep that in your back pocket because a little bit later on in the game, in that very period, not even later on in the game, in that same period, Cole Sillinger hits Alex Newhook from behind in the at the other end of the ice. We're not even 10 minutes in, and we've got two hits from behind on Montreal Canadiens player. And guess what happens when Newhook gets hit from behind? Tanner Pearson comes in to defend him, and again, they call 2-2, two and two, and we go to 4-on-4 four four hockey. So the Habs don't even get a power play after getting hit in the back twice. That is absolute horseshit, terrible officiating. They were starting to lose control of that game within the first 10 minutes. Completely ridiculous. Not going to turn this into a complete ref show, right? I wanted to turn the game off, though. I wanted to turn the game off at that point. And I wanted to turn it off even more after with a little bit more than three minutes to go, they get Justin Barron for tripping. And I felt like Fantilli kind of just stepped on his stick a little bit. So, uh, but at the same time, it's a hard one not to call. So we'll call that one fair on the officials, but uh, it's Bemstrom with a clapper from the left circle. And it's two nothing for the Blue Jackets at the end of one period. And I really wanted to turn the game off. I was like, you know, it, it felt like the officiating took the wind out of the sails for the Habs a little bit. I mean, it was complete bullshit. Really, there's no explanation for me how they're possibly trying to charge the Habs with extra twos just to make sure that it's evened up when you've got two illegal hits there. Those are the instigators. Those are the instigators. Everything else that happens afterwards is because of those hits. 
you need to get control of that as officials. And I'm like, man, I kind of want to turn this off. And I'm glad I didn't because the game got a lot cleaner and a lot better from the second period onwards. Early in the second period, we get a battle along the wall in the Blue Jackets zone. Boone Jenner turns it over, just throws a blind pass up the middle trying to get it out of the zone. It lands right on the stick of Nick Suzuki. He walks into the high slot and absolutely rips his first goal of the year. It's 2-1. to one. The Habs have some life. The Habs, uh, the Habs rather, not the Habs, they decide to go full run and gun at this point. They're they're not really trying to D up too much. They're willing to allow some scoring chances um, as a sacrifice for them to start getting some really exciting rush chances. They're playing exciting hockey starting in this second period here. Full run and gun. Voronkov, though, up to his old tricks. Up to his old tricks. He lands a straight headshot on Jordan Harris um, in uh, near, near, the off, near the offensive zone for the Habs anyways. And... They only call him two minutes for it. I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, uh, I was just starting to get excited with this game and you guys are going to allow that headshot to only be two minutes. Now, Harris was fine. So I guess, you know, you could make an argument that two minutes was the only thing they could call. But, you know, that's the second dirty hit for him in the same game within two periods. He's averaging one dirty hit per period. Give the guy a 10 minute misconduct or something. Send him some kind of message that he can't do that. I don't know. Anyways. It's only two minutes. Habs can't do shit with it. The power play looking absolutely horrible. And then Harris himself takes a hooking penalty later on in that period. This time it's Bemstrom again from Jack Roslovic at the side of the net. It's 3-1 to one for the Jackets. They are almost running away with this one, at least on the scoreboard. Habs get another power play chance, though. Damon Severson is off for interference late in the period. And finally, with barely any time left on the clock, they find a way to get themselves a power play goal. Mike Matheson just dancing around a little bit at the blue line. He finally finds a lane, puts a wrister through traffic. It goes off the post and in. 3-2 to two is your score heading into the third period. And the Habs, they got momentum on their side. They definitely have momentum on their side. You know, they were down two goals going into that period. They come out down only one. You know, despite all the questionable officiating, uh, and they've started playing some run-and-gun hockey. So we're looking forward to a fun third period, and we get exactly that from the Montreal Canadiens. They do not stop with that run-and-gun hockey. Yes, they're giving up some chances the other way, some odd-man chances to Columbus as a result, but they're getting odd-man chances themselves. They're getting slot chances themselves. This was extremely fun hockey to watch in the third period. If you haven't seen the game yet, if you got it recorded on your DVR or something, I suggest that you fast-forward right through to that third period. It was very very pleasing to the eyes and then the Montreal Canadiens get another chance on the power play Brennan Gallagher was off for a tripping penalty Um, they managed to kill it off and they get another chance because Adam Fantilli runs into Mike Matheson so now they're going to the power play one more time can they do two in one game they can Cole Caulfield coming off the half wall. He's selling shot the whole way. Everybody in their seats at the Bell Center and everybody on the Blue Jackets expected him to shoot that puck. He does not. He throws it into the slot and Sean Monaghan is there to tip it in. He ties the game and we are eventually going to overtime. However, before overtime, we had one more questionable decision by the officials. Josh Anderson had an opportunity to maybe take the lead with less than a minute on the clock, and he gets hooked in front of the Blue Jackets net. Puck goes the other way. Chance for the Blue Jackets, and Adam Fantilli gets high stick by Brendan Gallagher. They don't call the hook on Josh Anderson. They do call the high stick on Brendan Gallagher. And as a result, the Habs are shorthanded again. They kill off about 55 seconds in regulation, and then they go to overtime and they have to start overtime four on three for a little bit they managed to kill it off 
thanks to some key saves by Samuel Montembeau and some key blocks from Mike Matheson. Then we go to four on four for a bit. That solves nothing. It's very back and forth uh, until we get a whistle. And then we get about two and a half minutes of three on three. And the Habs basically throw Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield out there as soon as they possibly can. And those two are dominating the puck together. Cole Caulfield gets multiple chances on goal. At one point, he cuts in, and if the puck just jumps a little bit more correctly for him, he would have put that thing on the forehand, and he would have gone roof daddy with it. And, you know, time is ticking away. We're under a minute left at this point. Nick Suzuki hands it off to Cole Caulfield at the offensive blue line. Cole Caulfield walks in, finds his lane, and rips one. 4-3. He ends another game in overtime. Goal, Caulfield, your Montreal Canadiens win on home ice. What a game, man. Just go back to what I said at the end of the first period. I wanted to turn that game off. I really did. It's not something I've done uh, in a very long time. I think it's years since I've turned off a game in anger. Um, I usually can get through almost anything, but that one was really eating at me after that first period, Um, and I'm so glad I didn't. Because the game got so much better. I mean, even I'll, I'll give credit to the Blue Jackets. Other than that Voronkov guy, um, they stopped hitting dirty. Uh, they kept it clean. And they turned this thing into just run and gun, man. They were going back and forth, head-to-head, toe-to-toe, however you want to put it. Um, it was incredibly entertaining hockey. That's the kind of hockey you want to see. That's the kind of hockey I was hoping for to see more of last season when I knew the Habs were going to be bottom five. I just wanted them to see it. I wanted to see them open it up a little bit more like that. Like, who cares? You're giving up fucking scoring what does it matter you're not really trying to win games anyways just have some fun with it and you know they came out in the second period and I don't know what Martin St. Louis said to them in the dressing room between those two periods but it was a different team out there man they forgot all about that officiating in a way that I never could and they went right to work and they just turned it into a really exciting um, fast-paced fun game to watch man that if you if, if I had a friend that I was trying to sell them on hockey and they were like a big soccer fan from Europe or something and I wanted to convince them to make hockey their sport, that is the game that I would show them. That was fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Player of the game, you want to take a wild guess who the player of the game is going to be? It's Cole Caulfield. Two apples and the game-winning goal in overtime. Um, he is now over a point per game on the season. Um, surprisingly, getting quite a few more assists than I thought. I thought he would have more goals at this point, but... Man, what a player. Jared Book tweeted this out after the game. He said there's a lot of people that have been saying that the Habs don't have uh, one of those elite game-breaking forwards. They do. They have Cole Caulfield. Just look at the chances that he generated in that game. I mean, he could have had a hat-trick, no problem. Merzlikens was was very good in net for the Blue Jackets. He made a couple of really key saves on Caulfield. That game's over in regulation if Cole Caulfield gets the puck to roll right for him a couple more times. No joke. And it's over with him probably having gotten that hat trick in regulation. Natural stat trick has him at uh, six scoring chances for individually. Now that's across all situations, so that included his power play work as well. Three of them high danger. He easily could have had uh, a hat trick before they even got to overtime there. So this was a, uh, a tour de force from Cole Caulfield, and um, I, I, I got to say it's it's one of the more impressive games. I, I'm, I hesitate to say it's his most impressive game because he didn't get the hat trick, right? If he, had, if he had the Hattie plus the two assists, then you could say it was his best game in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. But it's up there. It's up there. Um, he got a well-deserved nod as the first star of the night in the Bell Center, got to throw some pucks out to the fans, and uh, man, what a player. What a player. 
they, they've got an elite player there. Uh, it's just a matter of them figuring out how they can build a team around guys like him, Nick Suzuki, that defensive core that they've got, and figure out who's going to be their goaltender. And uh, and this team could be something. Um, might take a few years, but man, he keeps coming up the way that he is. <sighs> Look out. Also got to throw some flowers to Nick Suzuki. Obviously got his first goal of the season. Um, he's had a rougher start than I think most would, ex- most would expect. It's It's been a bit of a touchy subject among the fan base because anybody who criticizes Suzuki, they're liable to get jumped on. And anybody who refuses any criti- criticism of Suzuki, they're also liable to get jumped on. It depends what camp people have put themselves in. And there, there seems to be some pretty firm camps. I'm kind of in the middle. Um, you know, I, I think some of the criticism has been a little bit too harsh. Uh, but on the other hand, you, you can't help but look at the start of his season and say, well, it's been a little bit disappointing. He was not disappointing in that game. Uh, he was excellent. When he got that puck at the blue line before he shot, um, I was yelling shoot at my TV screen because he, he was loading up for it. And I'm like, please let that thing go. Uh, and he waited until the exact precise moment and beat a goaltender in Merzlikens that was not giving them anything easy in that game. So good to see him finally get a goal. Uh, good to see him and Cole with some chemistry in, uh, in overtime there, as they tend to do. And uh, hopefully it's a sign of you know better things to come from them. Uh, they, the, the team really needs those two to perform well if they're going to have any success. And you know again, playoffs are probably out of the question this year, but... Um, you know, we're, we're not necessarily talking about playoffs. We're just talking about this team uh, starting to improve around those two. We need to see something from them uh, because it's it's not like they're going to magically get, you know, four or five other elite players uh, that are going to be able to shelter them. And uh, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are going to be able to get out there against fourth-line players all the time or anything. They're going to have to beat the best in the league. That's what they're going to have to do. The best every team has to offer every night. That's who they're going to be going up against uh, for the most part. And we, we need to see... Uh, some success from them this season regardless can go down the list of the rest of the players who had good games as well Josh Anderson had a number of really good chances on goal Uh, I could say the same thing I said for Caulfield man if the puck rolls right for him a couple of times he's walking out of that game with a multi-goal game uh, he had some really good chances, looking dangerous, uh, really good at driving the middle. Uh, whenever they when they started playing that run and gun hockey, that's the kind of style that benefits him because he's so fast. Uh, I'd really like to see them play like that uh, every single game because it's so fun to watch. And I'm sure he would like to see them play like that every single game because his speed uh, really benefits him when they do that. And they're looking for those rushes and they're looking for those not necessarily stretch passes, but um, uh, you know zone gaining passes that send him in against one guy or even sometimes alone. Uh, puck rolls right for him. He's got a couple in that game. Um, I actually really enjoyed the third line yet again. Brendan Gallagher with Sean Monaghan, Tanner Pearson. Um, they've been an extremely effective line for the Montreal Canadiens. And, uh, you know, they had some chances of their own. I, I think they probably could have potted one uh, if given the right opportunities. Uh, you know, it was it was a good game from them. I enjoyed it. Um, Got to talk about the D as well. Really enjoyed Mike Matheson in that game. Um, he's had a couple of good games in a row. I mean, last game... He struggled for, I'd say, the first two periods, and then he turned up the heat in the third. Um, you guys heard me talk about that in the last episode, and he uh, really, I think, he sparked them a little bit in that game and uh, you know, gave them a little bit of fight in the second half of the back-to-back where they looked like they didn't have a whole lot of that in them. Um, but he, he did it again in this game. He was leading the way for them. Uh, he had really key blocks for them in that overtime period as well uh, to keep the Blue Jackets from scoring when they started shorthanded there. And uh, that's what really facilitated the, the Cole Caulfield heroics at the end of the game there. So uh, you got to throw flowers to Mike Matheson for sure. Um, I also, honestly, uh, I, I liked Uri Slavkovsky in that game. 
I, I know people were getting down on him a little bit. He made a few bad passes, particularly coming out of his own zone. None of them hurt the Habs, um, but he was they, they had 60% control of the shot attempts when he was on the ice in that game. And now that I mentioned Uri Slavkovsky, I should also mention Alex Newhook. I mean, he took a hit from behind that I talked about already in the first period. He was down on the ice a little bit. He gets up, uh, and then he was a man on a mission from there. Um, he was really good, particularly in transition. Uh, again, I, I hate to say this for like the fourth time in this podcast, but if the puck rolls right for him a few times, I think he's got a couple of apples, if not a goal of his own in that game. So there was a lot to like, a lot to like from the Habs. Once they got out of that first period, um, they turned it up, man. And I got to say one more time, that style of play. Uh, just running and gunning. It is incredibly fun to watch. I'd like to see more of that. I think that, you know, if you're searching for a team identity, I think they found one that works for them because they stormed back into a game uh, down 3-1 at one point and, you know, looking like you're not going to get any help from the officials. And even when you do get help from the officials, you better not retaliate to anything or they're going to throw you in the box too and even it up. And on top of that, they gave up two power play goals um, to the Blue Jackets again. Uh, But they got two power play goals. So the one thing that I want to say about them getting two power play goals now that I mention it is that I hope they don't take that as confirmation that everything they're doing is all good and we don't need to change anything they absolutely need to look at making some changes I think Jesse Elinen uh, needs to get put on that second unit if not the top unit and I think they need to give Uri Slavkovsky a look on the top unit Josh Anderson doesn't work there uh, stop that it's not working it hasn't worked and you you need to try some different things it, it was looking pretty ugly for most of those attempts now, to their credit, I, I do have to give them some credit. The puck movement on that uh, the Sean Monaghan goal where Cole Caulfield threw it out front to him, that was beautiful. I liked that. I liked how Cole Caulfield made that decision to throw it out front as well because everybody was expecting him to shoot. So they tried something different. And what did it do? It created a goal. Um, that's really what I'd like to see is just try some different things because what you were doing before, like Cole Caulfield, the first couple of opportunities that they had in that game, it was blatantly obvious that they were trying to funnel the puck there. And you saw the the way that the Blue Jackets were just moving right into his shooting lane. Anytime that the puck came up to that top person at the point, I think it was Mike Matheson, um, they were just immediately moving their coverage to make sure that they were covering uh, Cole Caulfield's shooting lane. And it worked. They couldn't get anything done. And then when Cole Caulfield finally got the puck on the half wall there, you know, he spots Mike Matt or spots, um, sorry, Sean Monahan, and they get a goal out of it. So keep trying different things and maybe throw some different personnel in there while you're doing it. You, it's got to be a trial and error process. You know, the five on five play has come a long way from what we were seeing a couple of years ago. And um, you, you just got to figure out a way to get your special teams up to that level. Um, and once you do that, uh, I think that plus a couple more players that you add to the mix, you know, you're, you're looking at a competitive team in the next couple of years. I'm not going to go back to the the refs at the end of this podcast here. I think I'm going to leave it on a positive note. Uh, I already mentioned it earlier when I talked about those penalties. You know, sometimes you got to let the dirty hits themselves be the instigators. You don't need to look for an instigator just because it's something the league wants to call. Um, I guess we'll go with some honorable mentions, some games that I, you know, enjoyed there that I haven't necessarily talked about yet. Tanner Pearson liked his game. Um, I like Justin Barron in that game as well. Uh, I thought he played really well. Obviously, Sean Monaghan got a goal, so you got to uh, you know throw him some flowers as well. Uh, maybe he can help their power play <laughs> start looking better. Um, and finally, Samuel Montembeau. Uh, I think he played a really effective game for them in that. He made some big saves. 
Um, the scoring chances were relatively even in that game, but without him, uh, like all the same things that I said about Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki and uh, Alex Newhook, if the puck rolls right for them, they could have had some other goals. Uh, you could say the same thing for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, really, there was two good goaltenders in that game. Uh, with the way these teams were running and gunning from the second period on, you could have been looking at a barn burner with you know, 10, 11 goals. Um, but you didn't see that uh, because both of the attendees were, were very on point in that game. So uh, what an enjoyable game, man. Uh, I loved that. What are we running today? How long is the episode? A little over 20 minutes. So, une soirée énorme. Pour les employés de soutien, uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. At DrakeMT. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.